Hello, fellow law nerds. Welcome, welcome to the special What the Fuck is Going On episode of Boom Lawyered, a Rewire News Group podcast hosted by the legal journalism team that would really like to know what the fuck is going on. I'm Rewire News Group's editor-at-large, Imani Gandhi. And I'm Jess Pikla, Rewire News Group's executive editor. Rewire News Group is the one and only home for expert repro journalism that inspires you to grab a drink, folks. Shit just got wild when it comes to medication abortion. And the Boom Lawyered podcast is part of that mission. So a big thanks to our subscribers and a welcome to our new listeners and viewers. What a time to join us. Oh, my God. Okay. So the decision we've all been waiting for for lo these many weeks finally dropped today, right? The case is Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine versus the FDA. We did a big, ginormous episode on this case, so we're not going to go into all of the arguments right now, but the TLDR, the highlights are are this. Plaintiff is Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine. They're a Tennessee-based organization. Why are they suing in Texas? Because the Northern District of Texas, the Amarillo Division, is home to one Matt Kazmarek, who is a Trump judge, a conservative numpty, hates abortion, hates trans rights, just 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 a hater. Basically, he's just a goddamn hater. And due to the way cases are doled out in in the Northern District of Texas, if you file a lawsuit in Amarillo, you are guaranteed to get this fucking guy as your judge, this fucking guy as your judge. And that's what these plaintiffs wanted. They wanted a judge who would have the cojones to say to the FDA, we should unapprove the authorization that you gave to this judge 23 years ago. Because apparently it's really unsafe and it's killing all the babies and all the doctors are are really sad, blah, blah, blah. I mean, essentially, the Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine argued that the FDA exceeded its authority 23 years ago when it approved Mifepristone. And also argued that they used a process under subpart H, which is just a bunch of regulatory nonsense. But under that process, you can accelerate any sorts of drugs or implements that are traditionally reserved for serious or life-threatening illnesses. So of course we have a whole conversation about whether or not pregnancy is an illness, which, you know, we can talk about later. So number one, plaintiffs had no case. And before I literally stroke out, I'm going to, I'm going to pass it to Jess. (laughs) Plaintiffs had no case yet. They have a friend in Matt Kaczmarek. So here's what they argued, basically, as Imani said, that the FDA had overstepped its authority over 20 years ago in approving Mifepristone, that it further overstepped its authority under the Biden administration when it opened up some avenues for making access to medication abortion more accessible. And also, in case you had any questions, it an 1800s morality law called the Comstock Act, which makes it illegal to mail obscene materials, that is apparently been resurrected in the anti-choice movement to ban medication abortion and soon enough contraception, hormonal mm-hmm. contraception, mm-hmm. nationwide. What Kazmarek said in his ruling is that the Comstock Act is entirely appropriate. It's a it's a really super fucking cool vehicle <laughs> for anti-tracers to use to do this. I am so mad. Anyway, I know. I'm very sweaty. <laughs> so beyond that, okay, so there's that part. Further, 
Judge Kaczmarek also said that one of the reasons the FDA overstepped its authority was because there is no therapeutic benefit to quote unquote chemical abortion. And this is a five alarm fire in terms of anti-choice attacks on science, attacks on FDA authority in general, and a stepping stone, kind of a, a breadcrumb for the Fifth Circuit and probably later the Supreme Court to weigh in on medication abortion generally. Here's what I want folks to know out of the gates, though. I, we, can I just say one thing about yeah. the therapeutic benefits so people will understand just how absurdly ridiculous this argument is? Oh, yeah. This judge said that, quote unquote, chemical abortion, abortion pills, hold no meaningful therapeutic benefit over, quote, surgical abortion, which we call procedural abortion. We don't yes. use the term surgical. No meaningful benefit to using medication over going into a clinic and having surgery. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, and he also said there was no therapeutic benefit to the babies. Oh, yeah. Remember, do you remember in the last episode, like... I, I think you made this argument that one of the things they're going to claim for irreparable injury um, is that it's injuring all the babies, right? I made this, I made the statement that there has some, been something like 5.6 million medication abortions and only 28 deaths. And yes. Jess retorted, yeah, but how many babies? That's 5.6 million babies that died. And that is absolutely one of the arguments that Kazmarek made. Absolutely. So Jess, Cassandra of the courts did it again. Self high five in the worst fucking way. Here's what I want folks to know immediately, though, as we're getting into the nuts and bolts of the law here, because Merrick's order is stayed for seven days. It's paused. So nothing right now is happening with medication abortion. The status quo is right now. All the legality is there. Like, do not panic and think that all of a sudden Mifepristone is going to be yanked out of the marketplace. That's not what's happening. But this is getting teed up to absolutely be a fight that the Supreme Court steps in on sooner rather than later, potentially before the end of the summer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I said get a drink. I wasn't kidding. I mean, you know. So you were talking about. Order. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you were talking about the statute of limitations at the start of the, the gates, right? At the start of this live stream. Yeah. Statute of limitations is law talk for how long you have to bring a lawsuit. Like the courts doesn't want, don't want people sitting on their rights. The courts doesn't want people just like, you know, oh, I could sue this person, but you know what? I'm going to wait a cool 20 years. Why? Evidence degrades. People forget things. Like also people just need some certainty in life. We need some fucking certainty. We well, need some certainty. Well, there will be no certainty here because honestly, I wrote a whole timeline out of the of the petitions that were filed and the applications that were filed to the FDA and how long it took the FDA to rule on them. And it's a clusterfuck. It like is. it would take me 10 minutes to sit here and describe it to you. So I'm going to avoid doing that, even though I really, really want to, because there is no way that this judge could have found a, found that the statute of limitations hasn't run. There's yeah. just you're going to have to take my goddamn word for it. There we'll is no way. We'll put a no timeline way. together for the people and show it to you. I'll show it to you. But then at the end, all of that doesn't matter because equitable tolling of the statute of limitations, that's just vibes. That just yes. means for whatever reason, because it's not fair that the statute of limitations has run, that we can go ahead and just reopen it. No big freaking deal. Right. It's just they right. had six years to file the lawsuit. They took... 23. Right. That's the end of it. 
And right. there's nothing that the FDA did in the meantime that opened up the question such that the statute of limitation would have been paused. Oh, but we got a brand new Supreme Court in that time. Yeah, Imani. we sure do. We sure do. Oh, my All God. Right. Can we talk about standing? Yeah, let's talk about standing. And for folks dropping chats in the we are getting to Washington, too. We will because shit's popping Shit anyway. Popping off. <laughs> <laughs> So go ahead, standing. I, I'm going to leave it to you because I'm honestly going to have an aneurysm. Okay, so standing is also one of these procedural rules that we have in terms of who can and can not bring a lawsuit, right? Like, and I mean, I immediately went to any random motherfucker standing <laughs> from the Texas SB8. Uh, that's the bounty hunter law that the Supreme Court uh, let take effect. So standing, usually to have standing to bring a lawsuit, you have to have engaged, have some kind of injury, right? Like Amani has to break a contract that she has with me so I can sue her, right? Like here- Or imminent injury, Or right? imminent injury, like something that's like really about to happen. Like I know for a fact she's about to break this contract, right. so I'm going to go file a lawsuit preemptively. Here, the plaintiffs are, as Amani said- a group of activist doctors who aren't even practicing in Texas, right? Advocacy yep. orgs and their potential future prego clients. I mean, those let, people let, don't even exist. They don't they have exist. Standing. They're, they're, he's conferred standing to hypothetical people, right? So here's the thing. There's organizational standing, right? Like if the NAACP yeah. sues for a police brutality, right? The NAACP yeah. is suing on behalf of its members. Obviously, its members have standing because the members are black and they're protesting. You know, they're filing a lawsuit about police brutality against yeah. black people. Here, the argument is that these activist, quote unquote, pro-life doctors form a coalition and that coalition itself has standing, which... They don't practice in Texas. Why do they? Why? Why are they filing in Texas? They don't even have any evidence that a patient has come to them with any complications. So the organization has standing. The individual doctors have standing. And here's their argument. Their argument is that chemical, quote unquote, chemical abortions are so dangerous and produce so many complications that their doors are going to be flooded with all of these, quote, post-abortive women who are going to be crying and whining and bleeding out all over the floor. And when those women come to them in their time of need, they're going to have to drop their other patients and their other patients are going to suffer. So that opens them up to malpractice liability. On top of that, remember, these are quote unquote pro-life activist doctors. So by having to treat these women who are bleeding out all over in their clinic or in their doctor's office, they're going to have to go against their pro-life nature, their beliefs. They're going to have to traumatize themselves by performing an abortion in order to finish the, the, the medication abortion. Okay. Let me, oh, oh, oh. And then third, organizational standing, the doctors have standing. And then third, these potential patients who have had such horrible complications from medication abortion that it has caused them to go into the doctor's office of a pro-life doctor and say, hey, man, I just had an abortion. I just self-managed an abortion and it got fucked up. Can you help me? Who in their right mind is going to go to any one of these motherfuckers for doctor's care, for medical care? Like, and, and even if that were to happen, it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. And there's no, there's no imminency. There's no danger of it about to happen. It's pure speculation. So Article 3 standing, that part of the Constitution, just vibes.
Ain't no Meanwhile, bang, wang. the, the actual that. harm <laughs> that would happen to patients should the FDA undergo a process of removing mifepristone from the market is real. Yeah. Real. Just oh. Really fucking real. And it's just... <laughs> it's it's so bad. Uh, so are are we going to talk about Comstock? Please. I mean, I guess. No, wait. First, we should talk before we get to Comstock. Can we talk about the the idea that even though they didn't exhaust their claims administratively, mm. it doesn't matter because the FDA was going to reject their claims. Yeah. So what's the point of exhausting these remedies? Like, we're just... <laughs> it doesn't functionally like because Merrick is like yeah you know what guys the fix is in with the FDA that's I mean, basically what he said right we can ignore the we can ignore the rules of administrative procedure yeah because we know how they're gonna rule anyway right, so FDA are a bunch of fucking woke ding-dongs that's really you know this woke administrative agency we don't have to pay attention to what they say Jesus Christ Comstock hit me I mean you know I think the TLDR is that you know rules for thee and not for me right mm -hmm. like truly conservatives will do whatever and yeah Comstock Lisa Needham wrote an amazing piece on Anthony Comstock and how and you know how he's basically the precursor to Sam Alito uh we've got it up on the site I highly recommend folks go read it but this is an 18th a 19th century morality law that said basically like no porn no information about sex don't post it don't mail it don't do any of it um and congress never got around to taking it off the books which is kind of a problem i mean but also frankly they were busy with other things and maybe <laughs> didn't imagine that the anti-choice community would in some fever dream, decide to reanimate this law and use it as a way once there was a federal judiciary that was friendly to their cause to attack abortion nationwide. Because what the Comstock Act does is create a vehicle for this Texas judge to try and tell attorney generals and administrators in states that have not regulated medication abortion out of existence what it can and cannot do. It's terrible. It's also straight up anti-birth control. So when Imani and I are out here telling you that they're not going to stop with abortion, they weren't stopping in Dobbs to leave it to the states. This is their first attempt to take abortion back to the Supreme Court since Dobbs. And what are they going for? A national ban, mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. They're lying liars who lied. They're so yeah, this like, lie. you know, Morality law is now a new weapon for the anti-choice community for folks like Jonathan Mitchell to try and go after folks who are providing care, who are mailing abortion pills in the future. And while I'm freaking out about all of the administrative fuckery that's gone on, they did not raise the Comstock Act claim before the FDA, right? You have to, you have to, details, you have to, details. You got to go to the FDA and be like, I don't like Mifeprex and here's why. And then you have to, then the FDA says something and then you say something. And then after you've been like, the, the, the FDA has said no more, that's when you can go to the courts. They didn't even do that. Nope. Who cares? Nope. It doesn't matter. Oh, nope. So this decision, the immediate effect of it is stayed, is on pause for seven days. That allows the Biden administration to seek an emergency appeal with the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. We anticipate that they will. They're probably working up, if not have already got that in draft uh, to file right now. Meanwhile, meanwhile oh, so in Washington, <laughs> like what the fuck, man? <laughs> it's a civil procedure, 
nightmare. I normally should be excited, but this is just too preposterous for me I to feel even attacked. I do feel attacked. I feel attacked. I feel attacked. And I love Simpro. And I had Amy Wax as my professor. So tell us what happened in Washington today. So in Washington, in federal district court in Washington, a group of, of Democratic attorneys general had filed what is what could be considered a competing lawsuit in some ways to the Texas lawsuit. They also sued the FDA. And you may be thinking that's a little weird. Why would Democrats sue the Biden administration? Well, because they were looking for an order from the court to say, hey, FDA, you've done some things to expand medication abortion access on, uh, during the COVID pandemic. You can't now change them. That status quo has to stay the same, at least for the plaintiff states. And so there's a handful of states that joined that uh, litigation. Well, today, just as we are all freaking out about Kazmarek's decision, here comes the Federal District Court of Washington that says, hey, hold up, hold up, FDA. You cannot change course. Fuck that guy in Texas, functionally, <laughs> is what that order says. Yeah. You can't do anything for the plaintiff states. So this has set up an immediate contradiction between two federal courts. Can Kismeric tell the state of Washington, for example, that it needs to abide by an FDA decision that rule that, you know, starts the process of unwinding approval? Can Washington tell Texas to get bent? These are the things that we are going to probably find out sooner rather than later. I'm sure our listeners and viewers want to know how it is in the first place a federal judge in one state can issue an injunction that affects every single state. Like we've seen that, uh, you know, Reed O'Connor tried to do that with the yeah. ACA and DACA. But like, can you explain for some maybe new people who just can't figure out why one motherfucker in Texas can do this, can basically attack the human rights of half of the people in this country? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a really good question, basically, because we've kind of said that some federal courts can, you know, now Republicans and conservatives have really taken the idea of a nationwide injunction to the extreme. As Imani said, there are a couple of federal district judges that, especially during the Obama administration, would like issue an injunction left, right and center. Like you needed a policy blocked. You don't like health care for trans folks. Well, go to Reed O'Connor. He'll gum up Section 50, 1557 of the ACA. Democrats used it to some effectiveness in the Trump administration on things initially like the Muslim ban, but ultimately the Supreme Court is the Supreme Court. So, you know, what are you going to do there? The question is really how far can one federal court's power reach? And normally one district court judge can only reach into their district. Mm -hmm. And like if a second district court judge comes up with a different ruling, well, then that's the job of the federal appellate court in that case would be the Fifth Circuit to figure that out. All bets are off. Yeah. Rules don't matter anymore. It's vibes. It's just it power is, grabs. And it's coming to a head, right? Because yeah. Texas is going to go to the Fifth Circuit. The, yep. the Texas case is going to end up in the Fifth Circuit. Yep. The Washington case is going to end up in the Ninth Circuit. Yep. That creates what we nerds like to call a circuit split. Mm -hmm. And one thing the Supreme Court, well, in normal times, one thing the Supreme Court likes to do is have uniform law. That didn't seem to apply the whole year before Dobbs because yeah. the law in Texas was that abortion was banned. And then the law in every other state was that it wasn't. But yeah, so that's that. So that's how this this case is going to end up before the Supreme Court, as just said, possibly before the end of this term. Yeah, everybody will be filing emergency uh, petition or uh, emergency applications for review. And what we've seen from this Supreme Court in particular is a willingness 
to jump in on these emergency petitions and wait and put their thumb on the scale. So in the normal times, this whole fight over what the FDA can and cannot do should take years mm-hmm. to sort out, given the types of claims, the evidence that folks are pretending is there in support of their claims. Okay, first, wait, wait. First of all, you're talking about evidence in support of the claims. This guy is listing studies from people who aren't doctors, aren't in the healthcare field at all. David Reardon, who is cited for an article entitled Deaths Associated with Pregnancy Outcome, a record-linked study of low-income women in in a medical journal. That guy is an electrical engineer. He's an electrical engineer. I mean, Priscilla Coleman, I mean, another person who is known, like the actual article cited by Priscilla Coleman has been debunked over and over more than a decade ago. So I, you know, I talk about junk science and the ways in which courts are allowing junk science to rue the day. This is what I'm talking about. Allowing people with electrical engineer degrees decide the bodily autonomy of half the people in this country. I'm good. I'm all good. I got my canned margarita. I'm good. It's it's wild. But yeah, I mean, even that junk science, though, they should it should take years to air that out. Right. The Prop 8 trial way back when the marriage equality fight was was at the states. There is plenty of junk science there, too. Had an actual trial to air that out. Guess what happened? It didn't hold up to light. That's what should happen here. But by doing all of this procedurally, anti-choices can just screw process, right? Doesn't yeah. matter. They just it's outcome determinative at this point. Ugh. I mean, look, we're at 21 minutes oh, and boy. I feel like maybe we should just let these people go have drinks. I mean, we look, here's make- the reality. We yeah. are Rewire News Group will be on this story for the entirety and check out our Instagram We have an explainer reel there. Also, that's got like some of the top lines. We're on Twitter. We will have follow-up analysis. Uh, You know Imani and I have more to say. There is, the reality is this fight just got amplified to new and legally and actually dangerous ways for folks. So, And that is because medication abortion is the future. Right. You know, in our our last episode about this, Jess said, you know, they cannot ban abortion without going after medication abortion. And that's why they're acting as if medication abortion, as if mifepristone is as harmful as fucking fentanyl. Right. I mean, it's really that absurd. And here, I'm just going to give you a couple stats before we before we let you go. According to Guttmacher in 2020, 54 percent of abortions were medication abortion. That's why they have to go after medication abortion. It's hella safe. Like I've said that so many times, it's super safe. It's more safe than Tylenol. And if you and if you want to think about what this court has just said, this court has just said that if a doctor thinks that a drug is dangerous, then someone who comes into their office with a complication resulting from that drug, that means that the doctor can ask the FDA to, to unapprove that drug. Like that means a doctor could feasibly ask the FDA to unapprove Tylenol because little Timmy got an ulcer. We're in uncharted territory, folks, like uncharted territory. Yeah, it's bad. But medication abortion is still legal. It's still super safe. As Imani said, we know the fight is continuing. We will provide you complete coverage. Also, a couple pointers. 
you don't have to tell your healthcare providers anything if you show up to an emergency room or to a clinic and you're having a medical event. You you're allowed to keep your mouth shut. You or are. or you can just say this. I think I'm having a miscarriage. And yes. that's it. Don't yes. tell them you took anything because healthcare workers are snitches. Yeah. And particularly if you're a brown or yeah. you're, you know, you're trans, for example, or you're low income, they will snitch on you. Yeah. I mean, you know, we know there are some good ones out there, but just a reminder, healthcare workers are not agents of the state. They do not have to do law enforcement's job for them. It yes. is our job to take care of each other and ourselves. Yes. And I absolutely did not mean any shade to the amazing abortion providers who are out there. You come on, y'all. You know I think y'all they are know. heroes. Just they absolute know. They heroes. Know. And on that note, Jess, I'm gonna go crack open another canned margarita. <laughs> because yeah. this is just we have devolved so quickly from Dobbs that you know, we knew it was going to happen and we told our listeners it was going to happen, but it still feels like a gut punch to the stomach. Yeah. I mean, you know, we are not even a year out from the Dobbs decision and we are staring down at the possibility that the Supreme Court is stepping right back into the abortion fight. Yep. And it was supposed to be left to the states. I thought we were leaving it to the states. That's Never what I was told. I was told we were leaving it to the states. Never leaving it to the Never states. Never leaving it to the states. On that note, you know, follow me on Twitter at Angry Black Lady. Follow Jess on Twitter at Hegemommy, H-E-G-E-M-O-M-M-Y. Follow Rewire News Group on Twitter and on Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel because that's how you're going to know when we do these live streams. And we're going to start doing them more frequently because SCOTUS season, sweaty SCOTUS season is coming up. It's and you know how here. sweaty that makes us. And it's we're like perimenopausal now, so it's like here we are. Sweaty. <laughs> uh, everything's sweaty. Thank you, folks, who the those of you who were able to hop on uh, live with us at the on the turn for you know a huge moment like this. Like I said, we will be back with more. And in the meantime, we will see you on the tubes, folks. See you on the tubes, folks. Mm-hmm.